Welcome to A Rabbi and a Lawyer Walk Into a Bar, a podcast with relatively well-informed and irreverent musings on religion, news, and society. And now, for your hosts, Rabbi Asher Lopatin and John Geringer. Hey, John, it's almost Rosh Hashanah. You're a little busy, I assume? Oh, my. You know, I all year I wait to the last minute to get ready for Rosh Hashanah. And I think we've hit the last minute, not the last minute, but the last few days. Yeah. Just like, you know what? Honestly, it's not so much busy. It's just that the heaviness of these holidays. You I feel it. You now I yeah, I have a small synagogue and and I have to write like 50 New Year's cards, not to members, but to my JCRC AJC crowd, which I'm excited about doing. But do you, John, do you, you're in the broader world. Do you feel it also? I I do, but this year, actually, I don't feel it as much because luckily the way the calendar works, the holidays are primarily on the weekends, which is actually a good thing because when it's on weekdays, you kill all those days that you have to take off of work and it's really hard. This year, we only have Yom Kippur on Monday. Everything else is on the weekends, which you know has its pros and cons, but mainly pros. That's so interesting. So we're not going to get complaints this year about, ah, second day of holiday of Yom Tov. You know, the Orthodox conservative traditionally have two days of not just Rosh Hashanah, but also the upcoming holidays, except for Yom Kippur. That's one day, according to everyone. Yeah, this is absolutely glorious from a work perspective. Yeah, wow, amazing. And and yeah, I you know, I think that I but there's something we're missing on to have Rosh Hashanah on Shabbat means that you only get one day of blowing shofar traditionally. I know in reform circles, they I think will blow shofar on Shabbat. And most of them will most reform synagogues really do just one day of Rosh Hashanah. But throughout the world, beyond that, it's two days, and on the first day. You don't blow shofar. So it's kind of we're getting cheated a little bit this year. Yeah, that's the part I don't like. And also we do that Tashlik ceremony. I think we talked about it last time, but real quick refresher. You go to a body of water where there are fish, right? It's got to be something live growing in it. And you cast off your sins. And we don't do that on Shabbat either. Right. Yeah. And and even though I will tell you, I know it's a discussion and people could look it up themselves, but you are allowed to feed the birds on Shabbat. It's actually an act of kindness, even though some people say you can't. But it's really they don't want people carrying things and outside of, a, of an Eruv, of a prescribed area where you can't, can't, you know, most of our cities you can carry in because they're surrounded by an Eruv, which we've discussed before. But but, you know, the shofar is actually for that same reason. Originally, it's the Talmud says that they were worried that someone might carry a shofar to practice outside of the Eru. So because of that schmendrick that's going to do that, <laughs> we like take. So I I wonder if there might be and I, I haven't seen it inside, but I think that there's an interesting idea that we never want the holidays to really overtake Shabbat. You know, Shabbat is, is the holiest day of the year. Seven aliyot, seven readings on Sh- on Shabbat. Even Yom Kippur only has six uh, Torah readings that people come up for. So it's the holiest day of the year. And we don't want, you know, the shofar. Everyone's going to be talking about the shofar and no one's going to be remembering Shabbat. So I think that there is that element 
that that the rabbis they came up with an excuse a different reason but the main thing is really to really preserve the centrality of shabbat so i think that might i haven't seen it anywhere but i think that makes sense makes sense to me and it seems to be this is the time where we think about whatever incremental or large changes we can make although i think the experts would say trying to do monstrous changes really don't work new year's resolutions either in january or now yeah, I think, and in fact, era of Rosh Hashanah, there's Hatarat Nidarim. We even say a prayer that it's kind of like a prayer. It's a statement, really, in front of a court. We get three folks together, and in Orthodox groups, will be three men. In non-Orthodox, it could be men or women, and we get them together, and we say all the commitments we made the past year. We didn't mean them. Forget about them. Release us. So it's like almost exactly what you're saying. It's not a time to make these sweeping commitments or even to, you know, I do expect the world to become a better place. And, you know, the Berlin Wall did fall and things have changed. And in fact, you know, but I, I, I'm i interested in, in unpacking what you said about incremental change. Well, as I think I mentioned to you before, take jujitsu, which is a very hyper-technical, complicated martial art, more complicated than any of the other ones I've done. And, you know, usually when you've done it for a while, you get a new belt. You're all excited, you know, go from white to yellow, blue, et cetera, et cetera, someday black. Jiu-jitsu is the opposite. Jiu-jitsu, I've been doing it now for a year, and I got one stripe on my white belt. One stripe. Jen made fun of me that said, that's it? <laughs> After a year, you couldn't have done better than that? But it really is. It, it's a game of inches in the game itself. Wow. And, and you proceed incrementally because it's so hard to do, especially when you have a job and you you know only do it once a week. And, and so I was thinking about that in the context of this season that that really, if we can make just little incremental good changes, that's probably good enough. And if we if we strive too much to make changes that just won't stick, you'll get frustrated and it won't be something that will resonate with you. Yeah, it's a really powerful idea. And I think it goes well together with the idea of God, believing that God notices the little things in our lives and, and our lives. If we're, you know... Who am I? You know, what are we? You know, uh, you know, what what are we? We say, who, you know, who are we? Come on, in the scheme of things. But, you know, we believe uh, traditionally, and everyone maybe will interpret their own way, that God is looking out. God is part of our lives. I'll just speak personally that I find it very important, whether good things are happening or really, really rough things are happening. I think it's so important to, to feel that God, the, the verse says, I am with you, with, with him or her in the time of woe. So we really want to believe that God noticed that stripe, John, that little <laughs> stripe that you got. Jen might not have, well, we're going to cut that out from this, but, uh, but no, leave it in. But, you know, other people might not notice things that we do. And I always I always say, like, sometimes you get credit for things you haven't done and you don't get credit for things to do. But God does notice. And we I think it's so important at this time of year to feel that God is is on our team and God is noticing and God is cheering us on for the little things. And, you know, we 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 really believe that no one else in this world 
could do exactly what we do. Now, I know, John, as far as your president, you were so, so amazing at Anshishalom, you know, you really helped move the shul to a different place, a good place, an even better place than than. <laughs> I thank you. Presidents. So, you know, you are extraordinary. And at the same time, each person has to feel extraordinary and unique. And, and it's true that we have our own little thing that we can contribute to the world. And I'll just say in, in the Kabbalah that I really like, the mysticism that I really like of Rabbi Chaim of Elijah, he talks about that we don't realize that a tiny little mitzvah we do, a tiny little good deed, a, a word that we say of encouragement to someone, a smile to someone, affects thousands and thousands of worlds that we don't even know about. So I think, you know, that idea of incremental changes is such an important idea and such a comfort in a world, uh, you know, here, this feels like a sermon already, but like, you know, in this crazy world, like with, with what's going on and the world seems to be coming apart and North Korea and Russia and, and, and China and Iran. And, and yet we got to believe that these incremental changes make a difference. Well, I know having seen you in action for the last 30 years, <laughs> that you've certainly done that in spades. And so, you know, my chizik to use to keep up the good work. Oh, well, thank you. No, we're we're trying. And, you know, I believe as depressing sometimes as this world is, you know, I think you got to believe in this world. You got to, you know, you really, Rosh Hashanah, you know, it is a time we don't party so much on Rosh Hashanah, but it is, it is a time of celebration. We don't fast on Rosh Hashanah either. It's a time where we, our, our God is sitting in judgment, and yet we still have meals, and we still feel good, and we we celebrate. And I think so. Yeah, we gotta feel good. We gotta somehow somehow take a different look at this world. Sometimes, which seems so negative, and of course the media media wants to make it even more negative, but have a really a good um, you know a better a better sense of of what's happening, a more hopeful sense. I hope. Wow, I'm inspired. Hopefully you're not telegraphing your speech in advance. I know. If I had it written down, I would be, you know, that'd be something to worry about, but not yet. No, no. You know, I feel the news changes every single day. So look, you know, but John, do you want to give us some uh, inspiring, your, your shul's going through a transition and is it going to be a good year for the synagogue? I think it's going to be a fantastic year. We are, I think the first synagogue in the United States, I could be wrong, that has a, a woman Orthodox rabbi, a rabbah, or a rabbanit, or a, a maharat, or I, I don't know what they call them anymore, but whatever it is, the first one in the country, I believe, at a major synagogue, which mm -hmm. is a big deal, and I think will scramble people's views on a whole bunch of things. We'll have plenty to discuss on that the year, throughout the year, and I know Rabbi Feingold was someone you were close with, and I, I can tell how you inspired her, and I think she's going to take that. It'll be the closest I get to having you as a rabbi again, which will be awesome. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. But you know, I, I think it makes sense. Let's go through some of the significant things people should be thinking about over Rosh Hashanah. I know the three pivotal issues we're supposed to think about are Machiot, Zichronot, and Shofarot, sovereignty, remembrance and shofar why don't you give us a quick overview of those yeah so for sovereignty what i think is very important is that as much as 
It's about God being king. But who makes God king? We do. So it's really dependent on us to bring God into this world. If we're not, if we're going to ignore God, yeah, God has the power, but God's not going to be king. We we make God king. So that's very important. Zichronot is remembering, but a lot of, but noticing. I would say even more, it's the blessing of noticing. God noticed Noah. God remembered Rachel when she cried for her people. So noticing is so important. And, and Hanan and Hannah, who the Haftar yes. read is about her not being able to have children and, and praying silently. And I, I believe it's from that that we do the silent media, uh, silent yeah. media. Exactly, um, exactly. We a copy, you know, you always think in traditional circles, well, the men go to pray and no, women have the same obligation as men, at least according to my rabbis. And, and we understand prayer through Hannah. So really, really interesting that we move our lips and yet people don't hear what we're saying necessarily. You know, if you want to, over the high holidays, you can pray a little bit loud if that helps you with your kavana, with your intention. But so noticing is so important, the second one. And the last one, shofar wrote the shofar. I mean, shofar means so many different things. But one of those things is the, the sound of the shofar at the revelation, that the idea that we human beings were able to connect with God in an extraordinary way. And, and the shofar is a way of us calling out to God and God calling out to us. So that relationship, and it's the shofar of freedom, the, the shofar of a world, which it's incredible how much uh, lack of freedom we have in the world. And we remember like hostages that are, you know, uh, that, that are being held in Russia, wherever it is, it's that sound of freedom. So those yeah, key issues of our ability, our relationship with God as God is our sovereign and, and, bringing God into our lives, knowing that God notices. And I hope that we learn that we can notice and see things and remember good things that, that people have done to us. And and then the freedom in some ways, we say, blow the shofar of our freedom. So freedom for our world, freedom from oppression, really. And that's, so stick around for towards the end of the services because that's when... <laughs> Those are repeated. Those are said by the Chaz, and sometimes they zip through them. But that's really that's really the essence. And and of course, eating and and not doing work. You know, not going to work if you can possibly do that. That's the obligation. So those are sort of the basic. You know, we we talked I think last year about some of the little different foods that you eat, symbolic things, but really do things that put you in a positive mood and a mood to, of of action. And not just sort of, you know, going into our shells. Yeah. And if you listen way back a year ago to that podcast, just as a friendly reminder, reminder for the things that you should be eating, the special foods, carrots, leek, beets, dates, gourd, pomegranate, fish, head of a sheep. I don't know if anyone does that. And of course, apples and honey and pomegranate. So go back to our last episode a year ago on Rosh Hashanah. And you'll hear all those blessings, but that that is a special part of our dinner. Are you having a big crowd? Uh, we're having all four meals, big folks, not huge, ten to fifteen people. But but I'm excited that you know, it's a lot of work for rabbis this season, and for cantors, and for anyone involved in the synagogue. But I I found that my shul here, 
I think Rachel, my my wife, Rachel works very, very hard. I find it kind of energizing. And so it's not like, oh, we had services. Now I got to give me a break. <laughs> no, we were, I'm looking forward to those meals, but I'm not going to drink so much. You know, you drink a, like a little shot of whiskey, it makes you tired. So I think I'm going to go very slow on the scotch, which is a little bit depressing. What can you do? Well, and there's the custom that if you sleep on Rosh Hashanah, that's a bad omen, right? Yeah. So I have two comments on that. First of all, some say that's only if you go to sleep before noon. So don't sleep <laughs> through services. But then in the afternoon, you get a nap. And the other one is that I don't know about that. I feel that if it's a year of Good naps, good snoozing, goods. That's a blessing, no? And that's why you're my rabbi. (laughs) You're damn right I engage in forum shopping when it comes to great halakhic opinions. (laughs) Well, you know, but again, you know, just, you know, a lot of times it really have to, it has to work for you this holiday. And and if thing will nap is helpful and gets you to pray better and gets you to go to synagogue on time, gets you to treat those around you and not be better and not be grumpy, then definitely take a nap, really. Well, let's unpack all the greetings because there's, for the uninitiated, there are a whole slew of greetings that people do in Hebrew and Yiddish. Yeah, let's unpack some of them. So Shana Tova, of course, is. Right. That's good year. Have a good year. Yeah. Sometimes say Lishana Tova. What's the distinction there? That's Lishana Tova is sort of a shorthand for Lishana Tova Techatevu Techatemu. It's for for a good year, dot dot dot, you should be inscribed and signed. So Lishana Tova is sort of shorthand for a longer greeting of you should be inscribed in the books in heaven for a good and healthy and sweet year. Like Shana Tova Mituka, a happy and uh, a sweet year, Matok. That's sort of getting back to the Apples and honey. Um, and some people say, <laughs> again, a good writing and a good signing, which will happen on Yom Kippur. So, those kind of things. And then, of course, if you're really Yiddish, a Guta Yar. Yes. A and good year. and you can Guta, you know, good year. You can go Gut Gesunte Yor, a good year. And Gut Gebenste Yor. A, a blessed year. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, and there are those that have a long greeting right now and for the future. There's some longer <laughs> greetings there. Those are the people you avoid. <laughs> oh, we love everyone. Shana, we love everyone. Shana so. Tova, I got to go to lunch. So, John, I think on that note, we will wish all our listeners a, a good kabench to your Shana Tova. Absolutely. And before we go, though, we should mention the fast that's coming up right after Rosh Hashanah. Uh, I like to forget about that, but it then, bing, it hits you. Uh, yeah, you fat, you've plumped yourself up over Rosh Hashanah. And then what's this fast day the next day? Yeah, it's, some gedalia. it's such a depressing, I mean, I don't know which fast is more depressing. This is probably the worst because it, Gedalia was appointed by Jeremiah after the destruction of the first temple, of the Babylonians destroyed the temple, there was still some hope. There was still a community that was still in Jerusalem and in, in, in Israel. And, and in fact, people started coming back. People started returning uh, from all over the land of Israel to Jerusalem, to Judea. And there was hope. Even after the Babylonians destroyed the temple, the first temple, 
And then someone jealous assassinated Gitalia. Um, <laughs> you know, unbelievable. You know, we always talk about, you know, we talk about inner, inner infighting. And, you know, families always quarrel, but you gotta we gotta make sure that we're not killing ourselves because of infighting. And and I, I know in Israel, despite the disagreements and the judiciary and and they do all have Israeli flags. So I'm I'm hoping that you know we don't succumb to the the disaster of the fast of Gedalia, but it's there to remind us that we got it. We can't let that infighting tear us apart. Well, and that's a great way to leave us for an inspiring Rosh Hashanah, and we'll be back next week for Yom Kippur. Okay. But until then, should we go through the list? Shana Tova. Shana Tova Umtuka, Good Yor, Gamar Tova. Did I miss any? And Ksivich Simatova, and Good Gebench to Yor. Perfect. Okay. Thanks. John, Enjoy. thanks for a wonderful year of podcasts and looking forward to 5784. We're going to party like it's 1999. <laughs> okay. Take care. Good Yor, Shana Tova. Thank you for listening to this episode of a rabbi and a lawyer walk into a bar. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to get our next episode delivered right to you. If you really like us, please consider leaving a review and sharing this with a friend. That would really help our efforts. And finally, to contact us and for more show-related information, please visit our website, rabbilawyerbar.com. Special thanks to our production team, David Stone for the introduction music, Andrew Bauman for the artwork, and I'm Nicholas Tantillo. This podcast is co-produced with Front and Social Studios in Chicago. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of any entities they represent. Copyrighted material, all rights reserved.